Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. School of Humans. Is this still recording? It's on? Yeah. You're just going to edit all this bullshit? It's a waste of time, though, isn't it? Having to listen you to something. Say something amazing. Say so- I might say something amazing. I, I, I always say something amazing. I've just turned on the recorder in front of my dad at his house in Northern California. This is our first recording session, and he's a little uncomfortable being recorded, and for good reason. Because while my dad was an amazing father who made sure I grew up with a storybook childhood, this is the first time he is telling me about his double life. Because for 20-plus years, from the late 60s to the late 1980s, my dad was a pot smuggler of considerable proportions. Do you want to just tell us about what the bond of outlaws is? To not talk about anything ever? You mean, is that what you're speaking of? That it's, that's what we're not supposed to do, is talk about it? So getting me and a whole bunch of my crazy friends to be talking about stuff is a, a little fucking crazy. For the past year, I've been interviewing my parents and all these people in my life who I've learned were part of the smuggling network. And hearing these stories has truly changed my life. I'm Rainbow Valentine, and this is Disorganized Crime, Smuggler's Daughter. Rolling a doobie, young, free, and groovy, making it up as we roll along. Rolling along, far out the country road. tell people about this podcast. Like most kids in the 1980s, I was obsessed with Indiana Jones movies. I would dig for treasure in my backyard all the time. <laughs> well, actually, 
during one of my digging bouts in the mid-80s when I was about eight or nine, there was, in fact, half a million dollars buried in my backyard. Well, it wasn't like you'd find it. it you would have discovered a big steel box. Which would have appeared to be a pirate treasure chest. Which would have been a treasure chest. It was like this it was treasure big. box. It was big. So this is my dad. He's just finished telling me about one of his biggest smuggles, helping some of his old smuggling pals distribute 60,000 pounds of Lebanese hash. He ended up smuggling 4,000 pounds. Oh, you know, just 4,000 pounds of hash, no big deal. Or the equivalent of $250,000, which at the time was over $1.3 million in today's money. And my dad needed to keep that money safe until the pals who initially smuggled the hash into the country from Lebanon could come and collect. But my dad had a problem. He didn't know where to put that much cash in my snug childhood home. So he decided to bury the money in the yard. I, I got a big steel box, and I put it all in this steel box, and then I went out to our gardens, uh, which were all, at that time, blackberry bushes. The whole acreage was all blackberries, so you couldn't really see much of anything. And I went from this bush to this bush to whatever and found a spot to bury it, and I buried the shit. And finally, uh, a long time later, it could be six months, that I get a call saying, yo, bro, we want to come over. We want to, we're going to come out next week and pick it up. Cool. No problem. Okay, so I had to go out there and find it. However, by the time that had happened, we had already worked on our land and got rid of all of the blackberries. And, I mean, I, I had hired these two uh, guys to not only dig up, uh, get rid of the blackberries, but to dig up the roots and sift them, sift through them with it so we wouldn't have, so it would become gardens. All my idiot landmarks were destroyed. And it had been so long since I put the fucking thing in the ground, I, I couldn't initially find it. And I started to freak out, and then I freaked out thinking, oh, fuck, did these guys do in the garden find it and just take it? Oh, my God. The yard of my childhood home was three-fourths of an acre on a steep hill. It's huge, precarious, and it always took a ton of work. My mom gardened constantly, planting massive bamboo groves with huge shovels, not dinky hand spades. I was probably there for the frantic search, but I blocked it out because nothing stresses me out like my dad's stress, which is huge, theatrical, and like a frazzled, angry cabbie in Manhattan traffic. Super New Yorky. I'm sure my parents' frantic search was full of blood, sweat, and tears. Where the fuck is it? Oh, Christ. Spoiler, he finds it. Buried now near the pear tree. But in this moment, my dad learns an important smuggling lesson. If you're going to bury treasure in the backyard, remember where the fuck you put it. Did you ever bury stuff in the yard again? No. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, hi, I'm Rainbow Valentine. So Rainbow Valentine is not my real name, although I did start calling myself Rainbow Valentine when I was five because I thought that rainbows and valentines were the two most beautiful things in the world, so together it would be the most beautiful thing in the universe. So I've spent the last year on a midlife reckoning, as my BFF says, opening Pandora's box and learning about what my parents and most of the adults in my childhood were up to while I endeavored to get cast as Annie or Dorothy. Now, that never happened, 
But I have learned all about the grown-ups in my life smuggling thousands of pounds of pot, whilst I willingly humiliated myself by belting out somewhere over the rainbow at the Senior Citizen Center. I'm using this alias of Rainbow Valentine because most of the people I'm talking to, former smugglers that is, are not comfortable having their names revealed. My parents have finally settled on Walter and Taffy Lemur. We cycle through Kimmy, Whitefish, and various other ridiculous names. To be clear, I've known my dad was a pot smuggler since I was 14. I remember my older sister, Vertica, who was in college at the time, sat me down one summer day and in a hushed voice told me the family secret, that our dad was a big-time pot smuggler in California. Then she said to never tell anyone that I knew this information, and definitely don't mention it to our parents. being a bit of a loudmouth, I did mention it a few times, and in return received a deadly serious warning to never speak of this to anyone from my dad. Before this year, the last time I even tried to bring up the whole being a smuggler for 22 years thing was when I came home from college in the mid-1990s, more than five years after my dad was out of the smuggling business. My dad was driving me home from the airport, and I remember him slamming on the brakes. And he said, well, I'll just let him tell you what he told me. I remember very much stopping the car and saying to you, it is critical that you never speak of this to anyone, ever, because more than anything, loose lips sink ships. Ah, but times they are a-changin'. All over California, you'll see billboards advertising pot delivery and dispensaries, There are apps where you can get pot legally dropped off right at your doorstep. Also, statutes of limitations on my dad's smuggling days have long run out. And as they age, my dad and mom are feeling a little more comfortable with the idea of sharing their secret stories. Good morning, Vietnam. Is mom there, too? Hi. Okay. Hi. She is. I called my parents on their anniversary. They've been together since 1970, but only married in 2002. They wanted to make sure they really liked each other. And I asked them to introduce themselves and their aliases, Taffy and Walter Lemur. Hi, this is Taffy Lemur and my husband, Walter Lemur. Walter and I are in our 70s, and I'm in my late 70s. And we came from the 50s and the 60s and stepped into the revolution of the hippie revolution when the 60s happened. And then we never left. And can you tell us a little bit about your husband, Walter Lemer, my dad? He's a connoisseur of uh, art and decorations and food. And um, he likes to talk. He's a schmoozer. He's from New York. And Dad, can you introduce your wife? Hi there. Walter here. I uh, came out from the East Coast in 1970 from New York. I landed on the porch of two of the Grateful Dead's roadies, and within a couple of months, uh, being in the center of that scene, I was introduced through them to your lovely mother, with whom I've been for 49 years, the great and famous uh, Kathy Lemer. With my eccentric, bohemian, artsy, intellectual parents at the helm, I had an idyllic childhood. 
When I was a toddler, our family, me, my mom, my dad, and my six-year-old sister, Vertica, moved just north of the Golden Gate Bridge in Sausalito to Mill Valley, a redwood bee-treed valley nestled below Mount Tamalpais. Named for its 1800 sawmill, which still stands in Old Mill Park, it was where families from all over the Bay Area summered in the 1800s. After the Golden Gate Bridge was constructed in 1937, real estate boomed in Mill Valley, and it hasn't stopped since. In the 1970s, Mill Valley became an area associated with great wealth, with so many people making their millions in San Francisco and moving north to raise kids. 1970s Mill Valley had a quiet, low-key, homespun, hippie wealth vibe. It was charming, rural, a funky town full of small businesses and young counterculture families, progressive intellectuals, rock stars, nature lovers, and old California gold rush moneyed families. I remember singing this song about Mill Valley as a kid. It's by Rita Abrams, a Mill Valley resident, and it perfectly illustrates the feel-good hippie vibe of my childhood in Northern California. Where people aren't afraid to smile and stop and talk with you a while and you can be as friendly as you want to be. Mill Valley talking about I love those flutes. This joyful nostalgia just feels good. just feels right. Anyway, among the rolling landscapes and redwoods was my house, tucked among the trees, blackberry bushes, and roses that adorned our driveway, which to me as a kid seemed like the longest dirt driveway in the world. Our family was close, always together, cooking and eating, hanging out in the main part of the house, which was an open kitchen, dining room, living room with giant windows and sliding glass doors to the deck, koi pond, and massive gardens full of fruit trees, play structures, the trampoline, and more. (laughs) So much more I've since learned. Our house was usually full of laughter, delicious food, original art, and it was a center of social activity. My parents' friends constantly dropped by and stayed for dinner, and every weekend my friends visited for slumber parties, spending multiple nights. My friends and I would concoct stories that we would theatrically record into my cassette player, with me always taking center stage. Dracula is coming for lunch. I shall cook my specialty, brain a la noodle. What shall you cook? I shall cook (laughs) my specialty, fried a la eyeballs. Yummy, yum. It's so delicious. Every night, my parents would read to me in my treehouse loft bed, wallpapered with Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. I went to an artsy, holistic, progressive school where each day started with an hour of music. When I was eight, my sister 13 in the early 80s, our little brother was born, and I became the middle child. My memories of childhood are joyful, full of abundance, both the material, like playing Legos at our Tahoe house, and the immaterial, like community, magical, spiritual, connected to the earthedness, friends, family, and a lot of absurdities. When I look back now, I feel ridiculous for not realizing that something was going on behind the scenes in our family home. Our house was pretty different from TV houses like The Brady Bunch, my fave show. 
For instance, we had a second parking lot on the property for all the extra oversized vehicles my family owned. The Brady Bunch only had that one wood-paneled station wagon. Our carport had a clutch of outdoor storage closets packed with camping gear, ski gear, and dozens of hardback 70s Samsonite Burt Santa suitcases with combo locks. Okay, sure, we were a family of five, but we never seemed to use the suitcases. They were foamy inside and large enough for me to fit in, and I loved playing with them, pretending I was a stowaway or a hidden refugee, climbing inside and shutting the lid. Now, I get it. Ah, these amazing large suitcases were for transporting weed. I also have fond memories of going to these weekly baseball games with my dad. I'd run around and play in the crisp marine air around a glossy green baseball field, enjoying myself, maybe batting a ball or two. And my dad would play with all these guys I've known my whole life. The coach, Baseball Bob, the Philly boys, the French hippie, Tall Joe, Peach Blossom, Loose Larry, the Vietnam vet. And I'm now discovering that all of these people, who are essentially like my surrogate aunts and uncles, all of them were also smugglers or growers or somehow in the pot industry, big time. And here's how oblivious I was as a kid slash amazed I didn't realize what was going on. There were always garbage bags of pot in my dad's office. Garbage bags, you guys. But this just seemed normal to me. My parents seemed normal. I mean, they weren't straight. That is, they weren't the typical 9-to-5 suburban parents with zero interest in Tibetan Tonka's karma and psychedelic poster art. (laughs) But they also weren't living on a hippie bus and wearing tie-dye like lots of my friends' parents. And plus, pot was everywhere in Marin County in Northern California. Everyone's family had pot around. Just maybe not garbage bags full. So when my sister told me the shocking news that our parents were drug dealers when I was 14, I was mortified. These are the Nancy Reagan Just Say No, This Is Your Brain on Drugs TV campaign years in the 1980s. Drug dealers are the worst, according to TV and the rest of the world. Do I have your permission to record? Yes. Okay, awesome. (laughs) Okay, so this is Petunia, one of my best friends growing up, and an honorary member of our family. She knew me and my parents really well. Yeah, so um, my BFF Petunia spent so much time, you spent so much time at our house, I wanted to get your stories of what you thought was going on at my house, and if you ever had any, what did you think of my house and my parents, what what did you, did you ever have any inkling of what they did for a job, and... Yeah, well, I mean, of course, I knew that your mom was a painter and a mother, and that was very um, clear, transparent, obvious, and made a lot of sense. You know, you could see. And um, with your yeah. dad, it, it wasn't clear what he was doing. Um, I, I feel like we talked about it even as children and, and said that he was a businessman. Right, we right. knew that he was a businessman. But definitely not like a nine to five, not a suit. But um, we knew that he made deals. I knew (laughs) that he made deals because he would would, like this. I feel like this must have been part of his conversation that was like, oh, I'm working on a deal or whatever. But some kind of deal. It involved talking on the phone. And so your dad was around and doing business. (laughs) And and that's his that's all I knew, really. Yeah, me too. And I didn't care like that's like that was all the businessman that was that was an answer that was the answer enough for me yeah and I could perceive that your your family was well off <laughs> your house was like 
an oasis of uh, plenitude. (laughs) Do you remember my dad being super high strung? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So stressed out all the time? Yeah, yeah. Me too. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, this is why, Yeah, it's sort of interesting. But like, I don't know, like a lot of other people's dads just weren't really around. So like, who knows what those dads were? Like, who else's dad was around as much as your dad? Like, nobody's. I love hearing Petunia talk about my dad like this. Because he really was around a lot. There's something special about how my dad subverts the good old dad role. Clad in a far side t-shirt, my dad would pad around in his office in his socks, yelling into the phone, stealing our Halloween candy, schooling us on opera and art history. Oh, and he was also smuggling. After I found out the family secret in my teens, Petunia was the only person I confided in. Yeah, I remember you telling me in this tone of like, ah, I just found this out, can you believe it? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I can believe it, actually. Like, yeah. Like, it was not at all surprising. But I didn't know. Which is funny, because I was shocked. I grew up in this world where there was, it was, pot was everywhere in my household. Yeah. It wasn't hidden. I mean, it wasn't, it was just part of the furniture. Yeah. And I was totally uninterested in it. Yeah. It was boring. I thought pot was uncool. I thought it was lame. I thought it was what grown-ups did. I thought it was, like, totally lame. And it blows my mind to think that literally at any moment, my parents could have been busted and we could have been foster children. Yeah. Well, this is something that's interesting to me. So um, my mom is uh, thinks of herself as a very overprotective person. So I'm curious what she knew about your dad's livelihood because I know that she did the books for your dad for a while and I wonder what she knew because she thinks of herself as a an overprotective parent but then she was allowing me to spend vast amounts of time (laughs) in this household that like like what if your dad was busted or what if some professional enemy I don't know how likely this would be I really have no idea but like did he know people who were dangerous possibly he did coming up my dad loses all of his money in a smuggling trip gone wrong which just happened to be the night I was born I'm Rainbow Valentine and this is Disorganized Crime we'll be right back Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com iHeart and save up to 25% your first year. 
That's 25% off at lifelock.com slash iHeart. Identity theft protection starts here. Hey guys, Rob Parker here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like the rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower further than ever before or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail dominating power and captivating style the new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true and with the new available tech this legendary truck is getting even better and when you buy a Toyota truck you buy Toyota dependability meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future so visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. The origin of the word pot is from pataguaya, a wine or brandy that has been steeped in cannabis buds. Pataguaya is short for potasión de guaya, which means the drink of grief. It does seem this job brought its fair share of grief with it. If a deal went wrong, you could lose everything. Can Dad stop oh. clinking around in the back? We can hear him and he's crunching his oatmeal. Yeah, I'll go. Yeah, Dad. Quiet. Dad is not able to be quiet. <laughs> Good job. Enjoy your oatmeal, Dad. So, Mom, can you yes. talk about how critical it was that your jobs were a secret? Talk about the high stakes of this job. The high stakes were that weed was illegal, and everybody thought it was the devil. And if you got caught with even an ounce who went to jail and could lose your kids. It was super high stakes. So you, could, you had to be really careful about not talking about your business to any of your friends or parents of the other children or the soccer parents. You just had to conduct your life like it was really normal, just like everybody else. Dad finished his oatmeal and chimed in. I mean, my job was to, to do it right and stay under the radar and be uh, this schizophrenic living two lives, basically. It didn't bother me. It was either do it right or be dead. It was similar to war. 
you stick your head above the foxhole and it gets blown off. People are getting busted for less than an ounce of pot. Now, that wasn't real big-time stuff, but when you got into what we were doing, it would cost a fortune in attorneys even if you did get off. You know, I mean, I, I, I was living sort of in two worlds. Now, both of my parents talk about leading a double life. On one hand, the parents I know, they're devoted, involved, adoring parents and upstanding citizens who participate, to my embarrassment in my school and life, almost too enthusiastically. And on the other hand, they're counterculture outlaws, smuggling up to several thousands of pounds of pot across a God-fearing country, swarming with law enforcement and chock-full of hippie and drug-fearing Americans. My dad's career as a smuggler coincided with the inception of the war on drugs, when the country was focused on sending drug dealers and users to prison. And more and more dangerous drugs were entering the transcontinental smuggling trade, like heroin and cocaine. Drugs were, if you got caught up in those smuggling networks, could lead to a bullet through the head. You, you've mentioned um, feeling like you led a double life. Can you speak about that? But yeah, well, then I had, I had my friends, which were all my old friends, we trusted everybody from their word, and uh, they were separate from all the people that lived in the community, you know, and the people at the stores. And even your doctor didn't know what was going on. You know, so it's very stressful to lead two lives. I remember garbage bags were hot at the house. Yeah, but they were just coming and going. Those were, I mean, I'm talking about rooms full of pot <laughs> where we stashed it. The, the garbage bags of pot were just samples. So the garbage bags of pot I remember from when I was a kid were just the tip of the pot iceberg of how much pot my dad was moving. They were samples. Really, at any given point in my childhood, my dad was storing up to four or 5,000 pounds of pot in our garage or the family storage unit a few miles away from our house. The true and complete story of my birth is the perfect saga to show this double life that my parents led. I was born in 1974 on a dark and stormy night in West Marin, California. We're going to start. It was a dark and stormy night. <laughs> well, but, yeah, the <laughs> but storm hadn't hit yet. It was just dark. raining and raining and raining and dark in March. It, well, it, it was dark and stormy. Storm? Yes, it, it was quite a storm. And that night, my young parents, my dad in his 20s, my mom in her early 30s, lost their life savings in a smuggling trip gone wrong. Now, their life savings was about $36,000 in 1974, which is $195,000 today. Just figured that's what you cost. You so know, go like, make it back go. for me. So in 1974, my parents were living in a handmade hippie hobbit house in West Marin, California. It had a long winding staircase up to the circular door. My very pregnant mom would tend to my sister, the Japanese gardens, and her herd of animals. She hated the goose. My dad was enjoying the country life of chickens and his first chainsaw for firewood in this tiny rural town in West Marin, California, near Point Reyes National Seashore. But among the hanging plants, hippie embroidery, and art that adorned the inside of the house, 
my parents had a custom-built secret room, which at any given point could stash up to 4,000 pounds of pot. Like in the movies. It was, like, yeah, I mean, there's a real secret room where you he You took had, out a book and you took out a screwdriver and then... You, there was a bookshelf and you had to remove the bookshelf uh, first and then... The books. The, bo- uh, the, the books. You took, off, the, books you took the books uh-huh. off and the bookshelf uh-huh. off and then the, the, the things that held up the shelf... Uh-huh had screws into the wall, uh-huh. and one of those screws was a key to open the, the door. Right before I was born, my dad was at the tail end of a big trip. Smuggler's lingo. A trip is a business deal from start to finish. The entire deal is a trip. For our purposes, trips are pot deals, from receiving the load to delivering it to the next location slash buyer. Trips last anywhere from a few weeks to months to a year. Trips include the journey of the product from its point of origin, places like Mexico, Colombia, Thailand, Lebanon, to its final destination. In my dad's case, Northern California or his hometown, New York City. My dad's entire career in pot smuggling was as a middleman. He was a pot distributor. He was never a small-time street dealer in a sketchy alleyway. He never sold ounces. He actually laughed in my face when I asked if he ever sold just one pound at a time. He would get hundreds or thousands of pounds of pot from the smugglers who took it off the boats that came into San Francisco Bay. This pot would go to my dad's secure location. He would then transport the pot to a few of his trusted associates, who would in turn sell it in smaller and smaller amounts down the smuggling food chain. If the pot came into San Francisco Bay, usually from South America or South Asia, my dad would transport it to his guy in New York City. Alternatively, if my dad's supplier in New York City, his codename is Blondie, had a load come into the New York City Harbor, usually from the Middle East, my dad would get a ton or more, by the way, a ton is 2,000 pounds, and he would move it across country and distribute it to the people in San Francisco Bay Area. However, it wasn't organized. Remember, this is disorganized crime. Loads just sort of came in, and people found out, and it was very loose. Now, my dad didn't work with groups, just a handful of lifelong trusted friends who are still lifelong trusted friends. The relationships formed were similar to the bonds formed by soldiers in war. My dad and his associates trusted each other implicitly, and integrity was everything. You were as good as your word. Now, on the night of my birth, my dad made three big mistakes. On this trip, known as the second Panama Red trip, my dad handed off the pot he had that he had stored in the secret room in the hippie hobbit house to three drivers, known as the Brooklyn Boys, who moved it from Marin County to New York City. That was the first mistake. Just some young, stupid kids from Brooklyn. Yeah, young, stupid kids from Brooklyn who... Vegetarians. Who liked <laughs> getting high and were real psychedelicized vegetarian kids. Okay, it's fine that they're vegetarians, but what we're getting at is that these were young, inexperienced kids who didn't take extra precautions when hauling loads of pot across the country. Like, when my dad was more established, he would never get high while working. That was reserved for after if the trip was successful. Well, these kids, they wanted to have fun on the job. The next mistake was the flashy, spanking new vehicle my dad provided for transporting the loads across the country. That was really a, 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 a stupidity of uh, errors because the truck I bought to do this, we decided we got a new 
the fanciest big four-wheeled uh, GMC pickup. It was like rem- right off the lot. Remember oh. that white and uh, yellow, orange. Yeah, what was it? White and gold. I oh, I remember it very clearly. The way I looked at things. You wanted to have the best of everything, the best, but that was really part of the stupid thing well, because we, didn't we have had the best two, of drivers. Right, <laughs> we had kids who looked like hippies smoking pot all through it, and the whole fucking bed was filled. That we we built a bed and we put in three hundred and fifty pounds under this bed that we had built in the uh, in the back of the truck in the pick in the pickup bed. It, it shouldn't have been a new truck. It was too flashy a truck for these scrunky-looking 24-year-olds. I shouldn't have done that, and I shouldn't have given them my profit. I should have just taken my profit, kept it safe, and sold it off as I would sell it. The third mistake, and the most critical, was that my dad fronted all of his profits in this last truckload. Basically, the Brooklyn boys had already transported several loads of pot from Marin to New York City. But all of my dad's profits from this trip were dependent on that last truckload. I let these guys talk me into fronting all of my profits in their last truck, which was about as dumb as dirt. Mm. Uh, instead of just taking our winnings and packing up and going, you know, and uh, greed, greed the is face good. Of greed, greed is right. Uh, I mean, greed I wanted power uh, more. I, I wanted more. It wasn't enough that I that we made like fifty grand in. In two months. My dad thought that fronting his money would increase his profits. But in fact, good old-fashioned greed reared its ugly head and bit my dad in the ass. Because that dark, stormy night that the Brooklyn boys set off with this last pot load, they get busted. But before my dad hears anything about this, my very pregnant mom goes into labor. And all the focus goes from the trip to having a baby. And then... Off goes the truck, and she goes into labor. And Who's she brains? lost his mind, and I lost my mind. I was born at home, and my dad, always a camera enthusiast, videotaped the event with a brand new camera. One of the first of its kind for home video. Oh, we got the tape digitized. My poor mother. My mom is surrounded by my dad, the midwife, some family friends, my five-year-old sister, Vertica, the cats, our family dog. Guess we're painting us the picture of what mom's upstairs. No. We're well. There are in several levels. Like, no, yeah. we're down in the in the middle section in a water bed. A water bed? Corner by the fireplace. At two thirty, I mean, after this this incredibly intense storm for twenty four hours or more. Wow. Uh, the storm breaks, and boom, out you pop. So it swamped you up, and then the doctor came. And so we gave we gave uh, uh, an instant replay because we had videotaped oh the whole God. thing. Well, you know, so we're the first of instant replay in a home birth. Then I get the news. I mean, so we've been up for forever for two days or whatever it is because I mean, how long labors are they're long, long. wasted wasted and 28 and hours then 27 the hours. next morning one of the the guys comes by and says oh the truck got busted in indiana so apparently the brooklyn boys got pulled over in indiana and being young stoned and in a fancy new truck with california plates the cops suspected something was amiss so busted the brooklyn boys call my dad with bad news the next day 
which is also the first morning I spend outside the womb on planet Earth. So my dad leaves town and heads to New York City to try and get some of his money back from the Brooklyn boys. My dad finds the Brooklyn boys' peeps, and he gets a little bit of money back, a couple thousand dollars. But to this day, he regrets not being ballsy enough to demand the entire amount, $36,000, which is roughly $195,000 in today's money. My dad returns to California with a fraction of the money he's lost. And then he, my mom, my sister, and me, just a few days old, moved to another house in West Marin. And, and then we, after doing that, we split from that house because we were concerned. Oh, because we thought that's when the battalion chief came to be my bodyguard because we thought pe- they would send people after us, so we had to leave and moved abruptly. Out. My parents are scared that someone might come for them. Someone from the Brooklyn Boys Network who might want revenge or retaliation in some form or another. Luckily, that never happened, but the trip definitely had gone wrong, and my parents' money was gone. Tensions were running high, and my fledgling smuggler parents were scared. My parents have two daughters. They need to protect themselves from arrest, from losing their kids, and the seedier parts of the industry. So after moving, my parents put their heads down and try to leave the smuggling business. Try being the key word. I'm Rainbow Valentine, and you're listening to Disorganized Crime. We'll be right back. Hey guys, Rob Parker here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like the rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower further than ever before or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail dominating power and captivating style the new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true and with the new available tech this legendary truck is getting even better and when you buy a Toyota truck you buy Toyota dependability meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future so visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. At Consumer Cellular, you get the same exact coverage as the largest carriers, but for up to half the cost. Same thing, up to half the cost. Up to half the cost for the same thing. 50% the money for 100% the same thing. 
I hope I'm making myself clear. Consumer Cellular. When freedom calls, we're here to answer. Call us at 1-888-FREEDOM. Half the cost savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single-line 5-gigabyte data plan with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single-line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plan offered by T-Mobile and Verizon May 2023. One thing that blows me away with my parents is that they always see the glass as half full. Their work was critically dangerous. But when my parents were telling me my birth story, after he found out they lost all their money, my dad went into the backyard to think. I'm wandering in the garden, and I'm looking at our fruit trees, and I'm just philosophical, because I remember the same thoughts, you know, and it was like, well, I guess it's a pruning, because that's, that's how I always looked at it. And, I, I mean, it's the only way I could look at it. Yeah, the as, cup is always half full to you guys, which I love. Me too. But that's us. That's who we are, you know. Like my dad's trip smuggling pot across the country, I've been on a long, strange trip myself. Thank you, Robert Hunter, for that iconic sentence. Unraveling a web of secrets. This long, strange journey is a first-hand look at the extraordinary, unique, disorganized drug smuggling industry in Marin County, California, which, while today is home to tech billionaires, was once home to the rock stars and drug smugglers of San Francisco's 1960s counterculture. They risked their lives to smuggle pot in the most dangerous time for pot in history. I was born in a unique location and situation, right in the middle of the battle between the counterculture psychedelic smugglers and the war on drugs, which would ultimately end my dad's smuggling career forever. Dad made and lost millions of dollars more than once. And I, Rainbow Valentine, a tax-paying, regularish, job-having, non-pot smoker but total hippie at heart, was there, obliviously in the middle of it all. I wanted to find out what in the world was going on at home while I was playing Smurfs under the olive tree. Listener, you and I are both going back in time to find out how did my dad smuggle thousands of pounds of pot across the country for over 22 years? Some people I will talk to spent years in prison. Some lost all their money. Some lost their minds. A few flew under the radar. But for all of them, this podcast is the first time they have told their stories aloud to anyone, ever. So now, it is time for the smugglers to speak. And we get to listen. I'm Rainbow Valentine, and this is Disorganized Crime. Disorganized Crime, Smuggler's Daughter, is written and recorded by me, Rainbow Valentine. Our producers are Gabby Watts and Taylor Church. Executive producers are Brandon Barr, Brian Lavin, Elsie Crowley, and me at School of Humans, and Connell Byrne and Charles Bryant at iHeartRadio. Our music is by Gabby Lala and Claire Campbell, with original theme by Mark Karen and me. You can find us online at iHeart.com slash podcasts. Us keep it real by 
handshake seals the deal. Grab the stash, seal the meal, and load up these old wheels. Rolling a doobie, young, rich, and groovy. Making it up as we roll along. Rolling Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.